0: It's called More Than Words, and how many of you know this book is more than words? Yes. This book is more than words. It's more than words. And we've, we've talked about a couple of things that, that Pastor Nathan has hit on was uh, water and bread. And he, he, I loved how he said, how long can you live without bread? And I can't remember, I thought we decided it was a couple of months. And then he talked about, you know, water. How, how long can you live without water? Maybe, how long was it? Four to, 14 days. four to 14 days. And how long can you live without breath? And he stood up here and he held his breath. And he said maybe about three, three and a half, four minutes you can live without breath. But today we're talking about sight. Let me ask you, how long can you live without sight? You can live your whole life. You can live your whole life without seeing anything, without sight. Now, nobody wants to do that in the physical or in the spiritual. And what we're talking about today is that this book is a spiritual book. In order to understand this book, you have to look at it with spiritual eyes. And God, and and Jesus, when he was on earth, preached that to his disciples, to the Pharisees. To everyone he, he saw, he taught, open your spiritual eyes. So that's what we're going to ask God to do today, is open our spiritual sight. I want to give you a little testimony about myself. I'm type 2 diabetic. And you say, Rick, you don't look like a diabetic. You're not overweight. And, well, 15 years ago, I was 275 pounds. I was way overweight. Uh, I'm a sugarholic. I can't handle sugar. I can't eat. You you buy one of those Reese's, those bags of Reese's peanut butter cups. You buy a bag of that. And you you might eat on it for the whole week, right? That's my morning snack. I can't eat just one. I'm like an alcoholic. An alcoholic should not go into a bar because he can't drink just one. He has to drink everything he can until he passes out drunk. And you're, and you're sitting there going, God, Rick, that's, you're being really hard on yourself. That's what I've had to realize about myself. I cannot be around sugar. Lori knows. So I have been upset in my life because I've had diabetes. I don't like metformin. I don't like the things you have to take, the insulin chargers that you have to take in your body. So I've taken years off. Two years ago, I said, you know what? I'm tired of the way this makes me feel. I'm not going to do it anymore. So I stopped my medication for two years. My eyesight got, eyesight got really bad, really bad. Finally, I went to the, doc- to the eye doctor. And I just picked one close to my office because I wanted it, to be, wanted it to be convenient. And come to find out, this lady was a real doctor. Not just an eye doctor, but a real doctor. She had gone to school as a doctor. And she looked at me and she said, tell me about your, your physical. I said, well, I'm type 2 diabetic. I finally went back to the doctor in January and got back on my Metformin, got back on Trulicity. Three different drugs for her. That's how bad I was. My blood sugar at the first of this year was 350. It's supposed to be around 100 to 120. That's how bad I was. I was in the 350s. And I, and I got back on the medication. Well, my eyes were bad, so I went to see the doctor, and I told her that story that, you know, I took two years off, and I'm back on my medication. And she looked at me, and she said, Rick, you're in a diabetic shift. It has affected your eyes so bad that you are not a 4.5 like you've been your whole life. You're now a six and a half. But now you're on your medication. So we're going to give it two weeks, and we're going to see how it does. Well, I couldn't wait two weeks. About a week and a half, I went back to see her. I said, I can't see. You gave me these contacts, I can't see. She said, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you out. So she did my eyes again. She gave me a lesser uh, prescription. prescription. Thank you. And it was better for about two weeks. And then it got worse. I said, these just start not working. She said, I'm going to help you out. She said, Rick, when you came in here in January, you were a six and a half. Today you walked in here in your 2020. You have 4.5 like you have all your life. Because I got back on my prescription, I got back on the things that doing the things I should have been doing, not eating sugar, not eating bread, watching my diet, my eyesight changed. It got better. Now, why are you telling us about this? I'm gonna tell you why. A lot of times, what's going on in the physical is indicative or a mirror of what's going on in the spiritual. A lot of times there's things going on over here that if you stop and you think about it, they're going on. Did you say, okay, Rick, you must have been a blind spiritual person. (laughs) Well, when you think about it, sometimes we are. Even as Christians, even the disciples, and I'm going to give three great stories out of the Bible today. And one of them is about the disciples. And I want to get ahead of myself because that's my last story. So we're talking about sight. You've got to read this word as a spiritual word. So, number one is recognize that we are blind without God. We're blind without God. So let's look at some scriptures. Amen. Yeah. It takes spiritual eyes to understand the Bible. In Isaiah forty two eighteen, Hear you deaf and look you blind that you may see who is blind but my servant. Or deaf as my messenger whom I send. Who is blind as he who is perfect. And blind as the Lord's servant. Seeing many things but you do not observe. Opening the ears but he does not hear. Three words I underlined in this. I underlined servant, messenger, and perfect. He's talking about who is blind. Hear ye deaf. And look, and uh, that you may see who is blind but my servant. Are we servants of God? We are. We're Christians. We're servants. Are we messengers of God? Yes. We have a message to give. And who is perfect? Okay, now, we say we're not perfect. We don't think we're perfect. We know we're not perfect. But if you do, if you think, you're, if you, think you already know everything that this book is saying, and you're already blind, and that's who he's talking to here. He's talking to us. You know, open your spiritual eyes. You have to be able to see with spiritual eyes and ears. And then the next verse I want to look at is Jeremiah 5:21. I'm going to go through these kind of quick. Uh, Hear this now, O foolish people, without understanding, who have eyes and see not, who have ears and see not. Do, not. Do what? who have ears to hear not. So blindness steals our understanding. When you're spiritually blind and you're not seeing with your spiritual eyes, it it causes, it steals our understanding. You have to be able to see with spiritual eyes. And you can't find anything in the refrigerator. You ever done that? You're sitting there watching a movie or something and you go to the refrigerator and you know the mayonnaise is on the second shelf on the right-hand side, and you go in there, Lori, where's the mayonnaise? The mayonnaise was right here. It's in there. But I can't find it. Why can't I find it? Because I'm looking for where I put it. I'm not lo- looking for where she put it, where Lori put it. I, want it. I want it to be right there, right where I can see it. You go to the cupboard. You're looking for something in the cupboard. Lori, what happened to my chili? Did you throw away the chili? No, it's in there. Well, I don't see it. I can't find it. Well, I rearranged it the other day. Oh, okay. So where'd you put the chili? I can't see it. There's <laughs> so many times it's right there. It's, re- it's looking at us right there, looking at us in the face. My mom used to say if it was a snake, it would bite you, you know? <laughs> and then Ezekiel 12:2, Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, which has eyes to see, but does not see, and ears to hear, but does not hear. For they are a rebellious house. Rebellion. Causes spiritual blindness, and you know you say, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm not rebelling against God. I'm, I, I don't do, you know, I do what God wants me to do." I, rebellion. So, don't rebel against God. Zephaniah 1:17. I will bring distress upon men, and they shall walk like blind men, because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like refuse. There's some Old Testament prophets in here and prophets are black and white. It's this way or it's this way. You know? And so it's pretty tough language, but it's true. They shall walk like blind men walking in known sin. That is walking in known sin. Now, I'm not going to step on any toes here or anything, but that's when we get blind, Uh, an addiction. An addiction is a horrible thing. An addiction to sugar is a horrible thing. Uh, Here's the thing about an addiction. You can never satisfy it. Never. You can't do it. You want more and more. It feeds the fire. It feeds the fuel. You think you can stop. All of a sudden, something horrible happens. Your, your, Your boss gets on to you. And what do you do? You go to that. Instead of going to Jesus, you go to that sugar, you go to that alcohol, you go to that cigarette, you go to that drug, you go to that bad relationship. When things are wrong, they're wrong for a reason. Because something's not right, and you need to go to Jesus and get that right. So let's look at Matthew 13, 14, and 15, "...and in the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled." And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. And this is Jesus talking, which says, "...hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have been closed. Least they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Least they should understand." with their hearts, and turn so that I should heal them. Jesus is quoting the Old Testament here. He's saying that um, they, they have to see with their spiritual eyes and ears. Why do you have to hear with your spiritual eyes and ears? Number one, so that you can understand. So you can understand what the Word is saying. Number two, so that you can turn. So that Jesus can heal you. Number three, so Jesus can heal you. People who don't turn from their sin don't understand what it's doing to them. So we have to understand what God's word is saying so we can turn so Jesus can heal us. Amen. We're going to go on to number two now. Number two is realize that pride causes spiritual blunders or blindness. Okay? Pride. We're going to talk about Pride. And uh, Jesus said in John nine thirty nine to forty one. Jesus said, "For judgment, I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made blind." Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, "Are we blind also?" Jesus said to them, "If you were blind, you would have no sin. But in that now, but now." It could be transferred, uh, translated since. But since you say, he's talking to the Pharisees, we see, therefore your sins remain. So Jesus came into this world that those who are spiritually blind could receive their sight. How many times did we, did we read in the New Testament where He's just so against the Pharisees because they've got it made. They think they don't need anyone or anything. They've arrived. They're perfect. You know, Jesus didn't come for that. He came for us. And um, he said, I came for those who can't see spiritually. And those of you who say, you can see without me, talking to the Pharisees, those of you who say, you can see without me, you don't need me. You will be made blind. And the Pharisee said, so you're saying that we can't see? And just said, oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You guys cannot see. And uh, you're blind as bats. But if you would admit to me, if they would just admit to Jesus that without him they could do nothing, then he would remove and erase all of their sin, just like us. You know, When we finally get to that point where we say, you know, I've blown my whole life. I've blown it. I can't do this without you. That's when Jesus takes over. Just admit to me, you need me. That's all he wants. And the Pharisees could not do that. But since you say that without me, that you can do it, since you say you can see without Jesus, your sin remains. Now, I want to talk about uh, Paul on the road to Damascus. I'm sorry, Saul. Talk about Saul. I mean, Because this was B.C. This was before Christ came into his life. And actually, this is when Christ came into his life. So Saul had gotten a mandate from the Pharisees in Jerusalem to go to Damascus and bring back the Jews, men and women, and persecute them. The first time we hear about Saul in, in the scriptures in Acts, when Stephen gets stoned, Saul didn't throw a stone, but Saul stood there and held their coats. Saul was on his way to being the great persecutor. And in, in, uh, in this verse, we see Saul has gotten a mandate that he's going, he's on his mission, he's on his life's mission, this is what I'm called to do. These Christians, these so-called Christians believed in this, that's not what I'm saying, this is what Paul, Saul is saying. <laughs> these so-called Christians have believed in this false Messiah and they are deceived. And they won't turn. We can't convince them, so we got to kill them. And that's his life's mission, to kill Christians. And he's on his way. He's on his way to Damascus to take men and women. He didn't care. He's going to take you back. And as he's on his way to Damascus, I don't know if he was riding a horse. I don't know if he was walking. doesn't matter. He was thrown to the ground. A great light shone around him. And he was thrown to the ground. And he fell to the ground. And he heard a voice. And that voice said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I I, I said, Lord, why did you say, why did you say, why are you persecuting me? Why didn't you say, why aren't you persecuting Christians? And I'll tell you why. I think that he said, why are you persecuting me? Christians, the church is the bride of Christ. When you're married, you're one. When he said, you're persecuting me, he was talking about the church. And then he said, who are you, Lord? I mean, remember that verse, my sheep know my voice? Saul didn't even know who this was. He said, who are you? Who are you, my Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Wow. His whole life has been about persecuting Christians, okay? That's his his job. That's his mission. Now he's on the ground and he's looking up and he's finding out everything he had lived was a lie, was wrong, and he was about to change. When, When God threw him to the ground and he talked to him, I believe he was opening his spiritual ears. Okay? So what happened to Saul? He got up and was led by his men into Damascus. They took his hand and they led him into Damascus. He was three days in Damascus, blind. Couldn't see a thing. Nothing. And you know what he did? He was praying. He was praying. He was praying, God, what's going on? You know, what is all this? So he's led by the hand in Damascus, three days blind. God sent Ananias, his servant, to heal him. Ananias fought. Oh, no, Lord, I know, I know Saul. I've heard horrible things about this man. I don't want to go and pray for him. He said, no, he's my servant. He's going to do great things, and he is praying to me right now. God told Ananias, he's praying to me right now. So go and heal him. So Ananias goes in. You know, barely knocks on the door. Maybe they're not home. Maybe they won't answer. He goes in. But let me, let me say this, going back to Ananias. When God tells you to do something, you wouldn't be like that. You hear God's voice telling you to do something, you are bold. You want to do that. Anyway, that was extra. Um, so, so Ananias goes, knocks on the door, and goes in and prays for Saul's eyes. And the Bible says, scales fell from Paul's eyes, scales. That was God opening his spiritual eyes so he could see. And Ananias uh, praying scales fell off his eyes. Jesus opened his spiritual eyes. Saul was received his life's mission. He received his life's mission right then. And he began to he began to preach in the synagogue at Damascus, He started in Damascus. He started right then and there. He didn't wait until he got back to Jerusalem. He started in Damascus. Here's the thing. So many times we feel like I'm on my life's mission. And I've always felt that I was called to the worship team. I always felt like, I mean, I can carry a tune, okay? I'm not great. I'm not outstanding. I have a really good pitch, and I'm never off pitch. But anyway, I always wanted to do that. That was what I wanted to do. And about six years ago we got into the freedom ministry and began to teach about freedom. And I don't know, God just opened it up. And, and I began to see, you know, maybe I'm not called into music, I'm called into teaching. And so, there, there's things that we see ourselves as that we have to really say, God, is that really what you want me to do? Is that what I'm called to do? Or is there something else? And Saul had had so much pride in what he did. He it was the pride of life in him that made him. I am. I mean, he really felt like he was doing God's will in persecuting this um, this movement from this false Messiah. And then all of a sudden, God shows him, No, I am the Messiah. You're, you've been wrong your whole life. You've been wrong this whole time. And Saul was humbled. That's another thing. We don't, we don't want to wait until we're humbled, we want to do it all the time. Humble yourself before the Lord. You know, what comes before a fall? Pride, a haughty spirit. And. I mean, Saul had a fall, that's for sure. And that pride gets in the way, and it blinds us. Because we think we know it, we think we got it down, and God's got a whole other agenda set out for us. And then uh, look at Isaiah 4, 1. And uh, this is getting into some prophetic here. And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, we will eat our own food and wear our own apparel only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach now that's Isaiah 4.1. you read that some night at 10 o'clock as you're going to bed and you go what in the <laughs> world did I just read? <laughs> it won't make any sense to you but let me kind of explain some of this here um, before you read your Bible you got to ask God open my spiritual eyes Without you, God, I'm not going to be able to understand this book. And ask God, if he can't explain it to me, I'm not going to get it. So underline the seven women. The seven women equal the seven churches in Revelations. What did I say earlier? The church is the bride of Christ. This is talking about the end time church. And then it says, uh, she'll take hold of one man. That one man is Jesus Christ. And they will say, we will eat our own food. That means we want to do our own teachings. We want to do our own lessons. uh, And then uh, we will wear our own apparel. Apparel is your righteousness. What do you you put on? The whole armor of God. The breastplate of righteousness. Well, what they're saying here is, we're going to wear our own apparel. So here it is. in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man. Seven, men are the, seven women are the seven churches. The One man is Jesus Christ. Um, and we will eat our own food and wear our own apparel. Apparel is your, your righteousness. Your righteousness in God. And <clears throat> only let us be called by your name. No, we, we want to we just want to be forgiven of our sins, so we know we have our life insurance, and that's all we want. That is not the way it is here in this church. That's the way it is in the world sometimes. And the breastplate of righteousness, we don't want to, uh, we want to, we want to do our own righteousness. We don't want your righteousness. It's crazy. Uh, shod the peat with the preparation of the gospel. We want to prepare our own lessons. So that's your clothing. Leviticus 26, 26. When I have cut off your supply of bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall bring back your bread by weight, and you shall eat and not be satisfied. And uh, in, in Leviticus, it's a lot like Deuteronomy. In the first 14 chapters of Deuteronomy, he talks about the blessings. If you do this, you're going to be blessed. The last 14 of Deuteronomy talks about the curses. If you do this, you're going to be cursed. And it's the same with Leviticus. The first 15 chapters are the blessing. The last 15 chapters are the cursings. and, And this is in Leviticus 26, and where it says, bread, when I have cut off your supply of bread. That's the word of God. Don't want the word of God, the supply of bread, cut off look at the first part of Leviticus 26 26 when you turn away from me I will cut off your supply of bread and then the ten women are the ten different churches and it's the bride of Christ and so they're going to cook it in one city in one oven in one city they're going to prepare things for you and then they'll bring it back to you by weight they're going to proportion it out they're not going to bring you back the whole thing they're going to bring you back a little bit so you've got to be careful if you're in a church, that doesn't teach, but just one or two verses at a time. And when they bring it back to you, you will not be satisfied. So we want to be satisfied with the Word of God. And now <clears throat> we're going to talk about receive your spiritual light, your spiritual sight. God opens blind eyes, okay? Jesus opens blind eyes. We're going to look at a, a story here in Mark 8, 22 and 25. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. (coughs) And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up, and he was restored and saw everything clearly. So this is a very interesting story. And if you study this out, you'll see that Beseda was one of three cursed cities. Jesus cursed three cities. He cursed Beseda, Chor- Chorazim, and C- Capernaum. So he was in a cursed city. Now, he hadn't cursed it. He curses it in Mark 11. And we're in Mark 8. But, you know, it's, it's, on, the, it's on the down slope. And I read some things about Beseda. They didn't have a a synagogue. They have have dug up Bethsaida, and they cannot find a synagogue. There was no house of worship in Bethsaida. So so Jesus comes into this blind man, comes into this town, and he says, uh, and and they bring this blind man. The Bible says he was blind from birth. He had always been blind, born blind. And in the history of the world, no man had ever been cured who'd been born blind. So, so Jesus, the Bible says in 23, it says, So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Number one, I want Jesus to take me by the hand and lead me where I need to go. But... This man is blind. Now, I I know we're thinking he's really blind. He's physically blind. But think about you as maybe being spiritually blind in some area of your life. Jesus took him by the hand and led him out of the town. Why did he lead him out of that town? I think he led him out of that town because that was the only thing, the only situation that blind man had ever known. And he was dependent on that town. He was dependent on the people of that town. Imagine, he, he couldn't work. He was a beggar. He probably just sat in the street all day begging. If he didn't have... Only reason he had clothes was because that town clothed him. Only reason he had food, that town fed him. Maybe he had family. Maybe he had friends. But this man depended on strangers to help him out. He was in a place of dependency on that town. Jesus took him by the hand and said, hey, I want you to depend on Me. He took his hand and he led him out of town. He got him out of that situation that he was in, where he was dependent on those people, and he became suddenly dependent on Jesus. That was his source. He was not back there in town, where he had friends, maybe, where he had family, maybe, where he had people that took it upon themselves to make sure this guy got to eat. He was out of that. He had to get him away from that and get him out of the town. And then he spit on his eyes and put his hands on him. And then he asked him, can you see anything? And he said, I, I, I see men as trees, walking around like trees. And then he laid his hands on him, and he fully restored him. Now, I want to look at a couple of things, and, and let's see. Let's find out why he saw men like trees. If you look at Psalm, and we'll come back to that story in just a minute, but Psalm 1, 1 to 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates. One version says both day and night. This just says day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, And whatsoever he does shall prosper. So he's talking about men, but he's talking about men being trees. I want to talk about one thing in this because um, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands, that's one, nor stands in the path of sinners, you don't want to walk with sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. I'm going to talk about that scornful. I I work at AT AT&T, everybody knows that we ATT, at and t There's 289 people in my department. I am sixth on seniority list, which is pretty good. <laughs> anyway, that means I get to get off the days I want to get off. Anyway, so sit in the seat of the scornful. Boy, Heidi, my, uh, my industry, the, the telecommunications industry, is changing, has been changing for years. Okay, uh, Everybody and their dog has a cell phone. If we get a new customer, it's because they owe money to Sprint. Okay, it's not because we have a great network, and they're about to get their phone cut off, so they call us and say, "Well, I think you know, I want to go with, with AT&T." Well, nobody else will give them credit or whatever. Anyway, they come. That's that's the only reason people move. Everybody has a cell phone. Our industry is changing. Things are changing. So guess what they're doing? They're cutting our commission. They're cutting everything. It's like. They've got to try to save money. Sit in the seat of the scornful. There are a lot of scornful people I work with, a lot of them. And you can sit there and you can listen to that all day long, and you can become scornful without even realizing it. You can just, well, let me tell you what they did to me. And boom, Boom boom-biddy-boom, it just starts rolling. And all of a sudden, you're scornful, you're in a bad place, you're not hearing from God because you're looking through your physical eyes at everything that everybody is saying, and you're like, yeah, that's right. That's what's going on. So don't sit in the seat of the scornful. But that's, that's, a, that's a man with 20-20 vision. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, He'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. That's the man I want to be. <clears throat> and then we're going to go through these really quick. All right. Uh, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. This is Psalm 52.8. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. He compares himself to a green olive tree. Not the particular kind of tree I would want to compare myself to, but... I love olives. Um, I would be like a cedar or a, a, a pine tree in East Texas, you know? Planted by the rivers. And then Psalm 92, 12. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Palm tree? A cedar? Those are trees. He's comparing men. Men are like trees. The blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord, this is Jeremiah seventeen seventy eight. For he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which spreads out its roots by the rivers and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. That's the kind of tree I want to be. And Isaiah fifty five twelve. For you shall go out with joy, and be led out with peace. There's that word, led out with peace. We want to be led to peace. The mountains and hills shall break forth into singing before you. All the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Trees don't clap their hands. Men clap their hands. Yeah. Trees are men. Matthew seven seventeen. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. He's talking about people. Zechariah four eleven. Then I answered and said to him... What are these two olive trees at the right of the lampstand and, and its left? And in 4.14, Zechariah 4.14, he answers him. So he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. He's talking about men. Revelation, and I will give power to my two witnesses. And, and they prophesy 1260 days. I divide that by 365 days. That is 3.45 months. So the two witnesses is who the lampstands are. They're going to witness for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. What are they clothed in? Are they picking their own clothes? Who would pick a sackcloth to wear? But a righteous man, but a humble man. They are humble. They are the two witnesses for Jesus. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the Earth. Trees equal men. The blind man said, "I see men like trees." When he spit on his eyes the first time, he opened his spiritual eyes, and he saw, tree, he saw men like trees. When he laid hands on him the second time, he opened his physical eyes, and he saw clearly. God open our spiritual eyes and then open our physical eyes too. And now we're going to talk about Mark 8, 13 and 21. Now this is, a, this is a story about Jesus and the disciples, okay? And he left them. Now in Mark 8, he had fed the 5,000 and the 4,000, okay? And so you can imagine being out, in the sunlight with 4,000 people and preaching to them and then feeding them. And then he's out with the 4,000. So he left them. Sometimes you just got to get away. And Southwest Airlines wasn't around, so he got in a boat and departed to the other side. And the disciples had forgotten. Thank you, you got it. The disciples had forgotten Uh, to take bread. Now, when when they fed the 4,000 and the 5,000, did they have bread? Not much. 12 loaves and 2 fish, something like that. But what did Jesus do? He fed 5,000 people with just those few loaves of bread. Okay? So now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. So... Then he charged them, saying, Jesus said, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. What is leaven? Leaven is something that makes the bread puffy. It adds oxygen, and you knead that in there. You let it sit, and it makes the dough to rise. Then you, then you bake it. Well, it's a puffing agent. It puffs up. And he's saying, beware of the Pharisees, leaven, and Herod's leaven, and they reasoned among themselves, saying, "It is because we have no bread, oh, <laughs> we forgot the bread." And uh, but Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, "Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not understand? Do you not perceive? Is your heart still hardened?" Having eyes, do you see? And having ears, do you hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of fragments did we take up? And they're so excited because they know the answer. Oh, we brought up 12 baskets. And also, when I broke up the seven, for, the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did, did, did you take up? And they said Seven. You know, they knew the answer. So he said to them, how is it you do not understand? How do you not understand that what I'm talking about is spiritual? Not talking about bread, physical bread. I'm talking about spiritual sight and being able to see. Bread equals teachings. It teaches the word of God. And we heard that from Pastor Nathan. Be careful of the Pharisees' teachings. And we, we heard some prophecy today about the end times, about how the teaching's going to go. Make sure you're listening to the Word. Make sure you have your spiritual eyes on. And Jesus said, I'm not talking about bread. I've got a loaf of bread, and I've got 13 guys. I had five loaves, and I fed 5,000. If I was talking about bread, I would just miracle sum up. I will just whip some up because I'm Jesus, I'm God, I can do that. Jesus is talking about something in the spiritual realm that you have eyes, but you cannot see. You have ears, but you cannot hear. If you don't read this book, we spiritualize. You can't understand it. If you can't understand it, You won't turn. You won't turn from your wrongful ways. If you won't turn, God can't help you. That's what we're talking about today. God, help me. Help me see through spiritual eyes. Help me see things where I have been deceived. Paul, Saul was deceived. Saul was totally deceived. But he thought he was so right. He thought he was so right. He was going to kill men and women. How deceived is that? He was so deceived, he thought the Christians were the ones that were deceived. When all along, it was him. And what did God do? God humbled him. Knocked him on the ground. And said, you're persecuting me. There are times in our life when we get so deceived. We can be so deceived that we think we're doing the right thing and we get puffed up. And I'm right. And everybody else is wrong. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. That's what what we need to do. Humble ourselves. God, show me Is this right? Show me your word. Am I doing what I need to be doing? Am I doing my life's calling? And you say, what are you talking about, life's calling to us? You you have a calling. Everyone has a calling. Everyone Everyone in this room has a calling from God, has a job that God wants you to do, that God wants you to be, that God wants you to live out, I'm too old I'm probably the oldest person in this room one of them anyway it's not too late it's not too late to say God what am I to do am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing and then we we talked about the blind man at Bethsaida who was so dependent on his situation that he could not get out of that situation. Maybe there's a relationship that you're in that you're dependent on, but you know it's wrong. You know it's not right. Maybe you're in a job that you're dependent on that you just can't see any way to get out of this and to move on and to go on. You can't see it. Maybe Maybe you're spiritually blind today. And you're dependent on other people. And Jesus is saying, take my hand. Take my hand. Let me lead you where I want you to be, where I want you to go. It's hard. I've been in a job for 15 years. I want out of it so bad I can't stand it. And I've had to say, God, This week, I've had to say, God, lead me out of it. Show me. Show me what you want me to do, what you want me to be. And 15 years is a long time. And that steady paycheck every two weeks is fantastic. You don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to trust in God. You can be dependent on that as your supply, as your source, But is that where God wants you to be? I'm not saying go quit your job. Don't don't leave here saying that. But but God may be telling me that. Okay? That's, That's where I'm at. Maybe you're a disciple of Christ. Maybe you're a disciple of Christ. And you've been with me for three years, and you're in the boat, and he's talking about something, and you're going, oh darn, we forgot the bread. And he looks at you and says, what? Have you not got ears to hear? Haven't you got eyes? How can you hear and not perceive? How, how can you uh, hear and not understand? How can you see? Hear? How can you? What's going on with you guys? Are you still living in the flesh? Haven't I taught you Anything? Open your eyes. Open your spiritual eyes. Ask God to open them for you. Ask God to take your hand and lead you and show you what you need to do. I want to ask my altar team if you would come up. And um, everybody stand. And, you know, I hope you heard the word of God today. Maybe I didn't deliver it just as the best way ever, but hopefully you got something out of this. And if there is a situation in your life that you want God to take over, let him take your hand and lead you out of it. Let him show you how. Let him be your eyes. Let him be your ears. Let him teach you. If you have anything you want to pray for, please come forward. Prayer team is here.